Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Ico Outkick Studios. Happy Monday. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote as well. When you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get to a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes, set up screener questions based on your job requirements, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness Search indeed. We have got so much to get to today that it is going to blow your mind. But for those of you out there, let me go ahead and give you a roadmap. Hour one, no guest. We'll dive into all of these different stories. NCAA tournament, Tiger Woods, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. with a girl in his bedroom video, OJ special last night uh, on Fox. Uh, Where in the world are Breeze and Cousins going to end up? And the Browns' crazy string of trades. What will they do with the overall number one pick? Lots of drama to dive into there. In hour two, we will talk with Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl. And in hour three, we'll talk with my guy out in Vegas, Todd Furman, about the NCAA tournament. All of that still to come. So buckle up, download the podcast, search out OutKick on iTunes and make sure that you are ready to roll. But we begin with the NCAA tournament, the bracket seedings in general. I am going to give you each of the regions and look at the top six teams in each of the region and do my best to tell you how they break down in terms of overall difficulty. And uh, we start here in the Midwest, which I just think is stacked Beyond belief. Every year it astounds me 
how I can look at the overall NCAA tournament and tell that the regions are not remotely even just with a layman's eye on all of the available teams there. So I want you to follow me here. The Midwest has got three teams that all theoretically could be high-level, high, high-level potential overall winners, right? You've got the Jayhawks at one overall. You've got Duke at two. Michigan State at three. We're going to talk to Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl at four. I do think the five and the six seeds in Clemson and TCU are the weakest of the five and the six seeds. But with Kansas, Duke, and Michigan State, you're talking about three teams. I mean, Michigan State is the equivalent, basically, of a one seed, and they are a three seed right now in that bracket. That by itself, standing alone without needing to know anything else, gives you a sense of how difficult this bracket actually is. And to kind of bring home that reality, Kansas is the number one overall seed, and they're at 18-1 to to win the NCAA tournament outright, whereas Michigan State is the fourth most likely team at 6-1, to and Duke is the second most likely team to win at 5-1. to So that in and of itself is crazy uh, as, uh, as we break down everything that's set with that reality there. It's wild how good the Midwest region is. They have the second most likely team to win the NCAA tournament, according to Vegas, the fourth most likely team to win the NCAA tournament, and the eighth most likely team to win the NCAA tournament. And ironically enough, Kansas is the eighth most likely team to win the tournament, and they're the overall number one seed in that region. That is brutal. Okay, what about the other regions? The South is the second most challenging region if you're just looking at it top to bottom. Virginia, as the overall number one seed and the ACC champ. You've got Cincinnati, who's the American Athletic Conference champ. You've got Tennessee, who was tied for the SEC champ. You've got Arizona, who was the Pac-12 champ. And you've got Kentucky and Miami there as the sixth seed. But if you look at this, UVA, third most likely team to win the tournament. And Arizona is, interestingly, even though they are a four seed, the sixth most likely team to win this tournament. So the South region stacked at the second toughest. And by the way, Kentucky is, let's see, the 13th most likely team to win the tournament as well. All right. Then I think we've got the West region. You're looking at the West region. You're saying, okay, what do you think about this layout? You've got Xavier as the one seed at 20 to 1. And what's interesting about this is North Carolina as your two is more likely to win the NCAA tournament. Michigan is, I think, a lot more likely to win the NCAA tournament too. They're 10 to 1. And you've got Gonzaga, who is almost the exact same uh, likelihood to win the NCAA tournament. As your overall number one seed, I think there's a possibility that Xavier is the fourth best team in their own region, even though they're the number one overall seed. I love UNC and Michigan much more in that region than anybody else. Finally, look at the East. 
you want to know how weak the East is, Villanova is now favored overall to win the NCAA tournament, and I think it has to do with the talent that is surrounding them in the East. Villanova is the one at plus 350. Purdue is 12 to 1, but I think that's a function of how weak this bracket is. Texas Tech, Wichita State, West Virginia, and Florida. If you want to make a play here on a higher seed, a 5 or 6, then I think, in general, it makes a lot of sense to make a fly here at West Virginia and at Florida in the East region. So that's me breaking down the NCAA tournament as I see it of overall difficulty of regions. Again, the Midwest, to me, by far the hardest. The South, the second hardest. The West, the third hardest. And the East is a joke. If you are a Villanova fan, you have to be very happy with the bracket in front of you right now. That is the NCAA tournament at large, the overall breakdown. Now, do we think it was a coincidence? Pat Forty tweeted out, if you're one of those people sitting around saying, man, uh, I hate that uh, the way that the bracket came down, I'm upset because my team was left at the altar, was not given a chance to win a championship. Pat Forty pointed out that three of the most uh, surprising teams, I would say, to be left out uh, were also involved in the scandal of the FBI, right? Now, it's not a surprise that occasionally you're going to end up with some teams who are really high seeds, even though they're involved. But although it looked like Arizona and Auburn both got knocked down late and both of those schools have been involved in the NCAA investigation. But USC is probably the most prominent team to be left at the altar and not be allowed to come into the NCAA tournament. Certainly Louisville was in the mix to make the NCAA tournament. They did not. And I believe Arizona State not making the NCAA tournament. Am I correct in that? I always forget sometimes at the bottom of the uh, of the bracket. I believe those are the three schools that he cited as, man, I can't believe that all three of these schools that were in the mix did not make it. It's hard not to believe that the NCAA tournament couldn't have factored in a little bit the selection committee off-the-court-related issues with all three of those schools not being able to to advance. That's your NCAA ticket uh, NCAA tournament breakdown overall in general. Now, there is also much to get to when you consider everything else going on in the world of sports right now. I'm going to open up the phones. I'll bring in the crew. 877-996-6369. Is Tiger Woods back? Comes in second overall that is a uh, that is an intriguing situation in general. Arizona State, by the way, is in the NCAA tournament. Somebody pull up one of you guys out there uh, in LA or uh, it, with Jason Martin. Pull up the third team that Pat Forty was citing in his tweet as a bubble team that did not make it. I know USC uh, was one. I know Louisville was one. There was a third team that he cited as being involved in the heart of the NCAA investigation and FBI investigation as not making it and thinking that that might have had an impact when you consider the overall bubble analysis. Uh, if I were a USC fan, that's the way that I would probably uh, try and figure out exactly what was going on there. But Tiger Woods, we're going to talk about Tiger Woods here. What's going on at the NFL in the quarterback position? 
What's going to happen with Kirk Cousins? What's up with Drew Brees? Is it possible that Brees is not going to re-up with the uh, with the New Orleans Saints? Oklahoma State, not Arizona State. Oklahoma State is the other school. Oklahoma gets in. I think that's probably one of the most controversial decisions of all. I don't believe the Sooners deserve to get in if you consider the way they finished the season. But they were in comfortably as a 10 seed. USC, Louisville, and Oklahoma State, three schools on the bubble that were left out that potentially could be uh, pointing to the NCAA uh, as a reason why they were left out. The Browns uh, are are rolling, um, and uh, it's crazy. It is crazy to think about right now all the moves the Browns made. Do we think that they're going to go with Saquon Barkley now, number one overall? Are they calling the bluff of the Giants with the two-pick as well as um, everything else out there? that they believe potentially, the Colts obviously with three, are they putting the onus on the Giants and the Colts to make moves and have somebody else trade up, calling their bluff and maybe going Saquon Barkley number one overall and still getting their top quarterback at the fourth pick. Browns, as we move in to uh, to March, middle of March now, it's getting closer and closer to the NFL draft. What are they going to do? Did you guys watch the OJ special Tell me that wasn't crazy as hell. And Odell Beckham Jr. trying to become a $20 million man. And maybe when you're trying to become a $20 million man, don't have a chick in your bed who looks like she's doing coke. Just a crazy idea there. Crazy idea for Odell Beckham Jr. Don't let a chick in your bed record herself doing coke when you're trying to sign a $20 million contract. All of that we're going to get to and more. I'll open up the phone lines. 877-996-6369. 877-996-6369. Loaded show, Bruce Pearl in hour two, as well as my guy Todd Furman in hour three. But in general, so much to get to in hour one. You can go ahead and set your uh, your alarms. Stick with us. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday morning. I'm also going to go off on the time change. I don't know about any of you guys. Kids wouldn't go to bed last night. Why in the world are we still changing time in 2018? It's high time. High time indeed that we stick on this time that we've got right now and never move it again. Join me in the time revolution. I am Clay Travis. Thanks for spending your Monday with us. Up next, some of your reaction. I'll bring in the crew. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience as well. Trying to keep you all alive. If you think a train will stop and sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. Get hit by a train. You see somebody get hit by a train. I hate to say it. Probably ESPN radio listeners. They're dumb. They're not listening to us. They got hit by a train. They might have died. Don't be dumb. Don't listen to ESPN. Don't get hit by a train. Uh... Speaking of getting hit by a train, the Masters people have to be getting hit by a train of joy because Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all, is back in the mix. We open with the NCAA tournament, but I want to hit with Tiger right off the top here. The amount that Tiger Woods moves the needle when it comes to golf is untouched in comparison to any other athlete in the history of my life with the possible exception of these two guys. Michael Jordan, everybody loves to say, oh, the NBA's back. Look at how much NBA ratings are up this year. NBA ratings guy is one of my favorite people out there. 
NBA ratings are up big. They're just like sitting out there, drinking from a fire hose, whatever ESPN gives them. Did you know that NBA ratings have never approached the ratings produced by Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls on the second of their three-peats in 20 years? In 1996, 97, and 98, more people watched Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls than have ever come close to watching LeBron James and Steph Curry. And that's despite the fact that there's something like 25 million more people in the country today than there was back in 96, 97, and 98. So all you NBA, NBA surge, one day the NBA is going to be bigger than the NFL. NBA, man, look at their ratings. Everybody loves the NBA. You know what? I watched the NBA last night. I put on LeBron and the Cavs. I don't know how you NBA regular season people look yourselves in the mirror. You are buying into a sham every single night. I watched that game between the Lakers and the Cavs. Those dudes on the Cavs were playing at 40% effort. They were out late night in LA. I don't know where they were. I don't know who, what girls they were chasing. They got their asses kicked by the Clippers, the, the Cavs did, and they got their asses kicked by the Lakers. Does LeBron James have any self-respect at all? I don't know. Maybe he was out there trying to find the guy who put the fake racist quotes on his gate of his $21 million mansion. Yeah, I don't believe it actually happened when you look at the evidence. Despite the fact that everybody else is like, oh, poor LeBron. I think it didn't happen. Maybe LeBron was like OJ. He was out looking for the criminal. And so as a result, he wasn't focused on his team actually playing decent. But I got to tell you, how do you NBA regular season guys look yourselves in the face in the mirror in the morning when you wake up when you watch these games, it's like going home with the ugliest girl at the bar. That's what NBA regular season fans are. If you are choosing to spend your time watching NBA regular season basketball and you're not doing it because you're betting thousands of dollars on it, you need to get a life. And anybody who watched that games, those games, I watched last night. I couldn't go to sleep because the damn time changed. So I'm sitting around. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'll watch the Lakers and the Cavs. And there's nothing else on television last night after I watched the OJ special. And by the way, that OJ special, good Lord, unbelievable. But I watched that Lakers and that Cavs uh, game, and I'm like, I don't even know how people watch regular season NBA. It is such a sham. Just go home with the ugly girl from the bar instead and don't put your television on. Don't look at yourself in the mirror. But Michael Jordan moves the needle for basketball, unlike anybody today. Not LeBron, not Steph, not Kevin Durant, not Russell Westbrook. All those guys combined, one of my favorite stats, all those guys combined still sell less shoes than Michael Jordan does. That's a crazy stat for you out there. How popular is Michael Jordan? He still sells more shoes 20 years after he quit playing basketball than any current NBA player. So Michael Jordan could move the needle in the NBA. And I think Mike Tyson in boxing. Mike Tyson in boxing was the straw that stirred the drink. Nobody else has ever come close. Maybe you could make an argument in the UFC right now that there was a period of time, really short blip, when Ronda Rousey could move the needle, unlike anybody else. And maybe still Conor McGregor can. But I think right now, in the needle moving, they make me care about a sport that I would otherwise not care about. Tiger Woods is number one, and then there's a huge gap and then I would probably say that Conor McGregor is number two. There ain't nobody in the NFL that makes you put on the game that you otherwise wouldn't put it on. Not Brady, not 
Aaron Rodgers, not anybody. There's nobody in the NFL that's remotely close. There's nobody in the NBA, although LeBron is number one in terms of making you put a game on. LeBron's nowhere near Tiger. NHL, give me a break. Major League Baseball, give me a break. I mean, it is Tiger Woods, massive gap, maybe Conor McGregor next. And historically, that's when I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm watching Tiger on Sunday. I'm also thinking, is there anybody else historically in my life that I can even think of that would be in the running with Tiger? And the only example I can even think of are those two guys. Michael Jordan with the NBA, still unequaled in everything that he's done. And on top of that, maybe Mike Tyson back in the day. If you're not old enough to remember what Mike Tyson in heavyweight boxing was like, I feel bad for you. Because boxing now, Floyd Mayweather's a a shell uh, of what Mike Tyson was in terms of bringing in everybody to pay attention to his sport. Tyson was the difference maker. He was the modern-day Tiger Woods. Nobody else is even close. I think we've got some Tiger audio. Here he is talking about his birdie on 17. you got to be ecstatic if you're a Masters fan. And here is Tiger Woods talking about his, uh, his game getting better. I think my game's progressing. As I was telling you guys uh, yesterday, I had really some nice building blocks at Honda. And... It's, you know, I made a few tweaks for this week, and it's paid off. And here is the uh, play-by-play of the birdie on 17 that got him within one. It was a long putt, and it got some excitement rolling. 43 feet down the hill, putting from the center of this par 3 green to this front left hole location. As I saw the putt, maybe a little right-to-left movement early, but then as it gets down to the hole, it looks like it could even go back to the right. Tiger gets it down that slope. Holding the finish, just on a pretty good line, up to the hole, and just drops. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? A bomb for Tiger Woods. We haven't seen that in a while. Tiger Woods, a birdie here at 17. He's nine under and currently one back. Ratings are going to surge. The Masters people, they don't need money, but they are going to be ecstatic. That was PGA Tour Radio giving us the call there on Tiger Woods. So it's an exciting Sunday. I mean, there was a lot going on. NCAA tournament, I've broken down the four brackets. I'll bring in the crew and see what they think about that. We had Tiger Woods uh, reemerging from hibernation uh, to uh, to maybe stamp himself as a legitimate contender in the majors this year, assuming he can stay healthy. We had the OJ special, and we had uh, the Browns going crazy. We got quarterback drama in the NFL, and we got an Odell Beckham Jr. with a French chick in the bed and potentially some cocaine. Woo, let's live it wild, boys and girls. But let me go ahead and bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Well, Clay, college basketball, the field of 68 is set for this year's men's NCAA basketball tournament. Let's check the top four seeds in each region. In the South, Virginia, the number one overall seed is the top seed, followed by Cincinnati, Tennessee, and Arizona. In the East, your top four seeds are Villanova at the one seed, followed by Purdue, Texas Tech, and Wichita State. In the West, Xavier's the top seed. North Carolina, Michigan, and Gonzaga round up the top four. And in the Midwest, it's Kansas with the top seed, followed by Duke, Michigan State, and Auburn. The ACC led all conferences with nine teams in the tournament. The FCC got eight teams in, which is a record for the conference. In NBA games of note, Rockets become the first team in the Western Conference to clinch a playoff spot thanks to a 105-82 win over the Mavericks. They win with 
without James Harden, who sat out the game with a knee injury. Timberwolves beat the Warriors 109-103. No Steph Curry in this one for Golden State, out with the ankle injury. Raptors beat the Knicks 132-106. Lakers over the Cavaliers 127-113. This report's brought to you by TrueCar. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from TrueCar. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, you mentioned it in golf. Tiger Woods shot a final round 70 to finish tied for second at the Valspar Championship. One shot behind the winner, Paul Casey. Woods needed a birdie on the final hole to force a playoff, but that didn't happen. It was the closest he came to winning since he tied for second in 2003 at the Barclays. In when? 2013. Oh, okay. I thought you said 2003. I was like, my God, what in the world's happened? 2003, I mean, going back in time, we got Mickelson winning, we got Tiger Woods winning. It's going to be a little bit maybe uh, back in, uh, we're going to go back in time and see what happens there. All right, let's bring in the crew. Uh, which of these stories was more interesting to you? Tiger Woods being back in the mix or the NCAA tournament coming out with the pairings? Uh, Tiger for me, and I love the pairings and even how terrible it was actually accomplished on television last night. It made it actually a little bit more entertaining at first just to see how bad this could possibly happen, and it was worse than expected. But Tiger Woods is one of my all-time favorite athletes. For a long time, he was my favorite athlete. So whenever he does anything, I care. I want this redemption story for him. I want to see him play well. I want to see him in the mix and really people talking him up before the Masters. And now you've got that. He didn't make enough putts yesterday early. He made that one on 17 that we just played the audio of. But there were some putts that he left on the on the course yesterday. I think he could have won that tournament. He just didn't have the flat stick hitting for him early in the round. But he goes to Bay Hill now, and he's won eight times at Bay Hill already. So he's going to be a favorite, honestly, I think, going into it. And this is just an incredible stat from the Golf Channel that was released yesterday around 5 o'clock. Phil Mickelson's wind drought lasted 1,687 days before he won just recently. Sunday at Bay Hill will be 1,687 days since Tiger Woods' last victory. The exact same number of days since Tiger won the last time would be the exact same number where Phil won, which I think is just kind of an amazing number that that could actually be true but it means bay hill's more interesting i love golf i've said this before with the exception of football golf is my favorite thing to watch high-end championship level golf on television and tiger is just must-see television so i was riveted i watched the sec tournament and i watched a little bit of the the games that were on a uh, on cbs but in general, my television was first and foremost watching Tiger Woods as soon as he hit the links and did not stop until he was finished. I was in uh, St. Louis, had a good time in the Home Loan Expert suite there, and we met a lot of OutKick listeners, readers, and whatnot. So that was, uh, that was very cool to do. Watched games uh, in person, four games on Friday, watched two games on Saturday. I'm headed out to Vegas for the NCAA tournament. But I think that in terms of riveting TV, I should have given you a third option. I thought the OJ interview was insane that we had that on and that it was finally being played. And I don't know, L.A., did you guys watch any of this? Was I the only one who watched some of this OJ interview? That I mean, it seemed like, based on social media, it was captivating a ton of people. Um, any, did you guys see it in LA at all? Did anybody else watch this? I didn't, I didn't watch it live, uh, but I, I have seen clips, like good five minute clips from it. And it's, I, I couldn't help but like, just like be stunned. It's kind of, it's kind of weird watching him talk about it 
like that. This was from 2006, I believe, for those of you who don't know. And I, I don't know the full story of how in the world you would have lost an OJ interview. Um, but, I mean, it obviously m- m- makes for a really compelling pitch. And, and I thought it was, I mean, it was a two-hour special on Big Fox on Sunday. And I just watched parts of it. I didn't watch the whole two hours. But I want it to be re-aired. And for those of you out there who didn't watch it, I mean, I feel like in this era of O.J. Simpson, they had the People versus O.J. Simpson that came on. They had the O.J. Simpson documentary that obviously won an Oscar uh, last year, not this most recent year, but the year before that. And I feel like there's an entire generation of kids out there listening to us right now on their way to school because I believe the O.J. verdict came down in 1994, am I correct? Which, to me, doesn't seem that long ago. Uh, but is now 24 years ago. 24 years ago. I mean, I well remember the series between the Knicks and the uh, and the Houston Rockets when the Rockets won in seven games and stole the titles that would have otherwise gone to Michael Jordan in 90, what was it, 94 and 95 uh, when the Rockets won back-to-back. But in 1994, when all of that was uh, was taking place, or maybe it was ninety five when the verdict actually came out. I guess I believe it ninety five yeah, when the yeah. verdict it, actually it came out. It took a while, so nineteen ninety five was the actual verdict. Yeah, ninety four was when the murders happened and he was arrested. But so it's been twenty four years since that murder basically happened. I mean, almost a quarter of a century, if my mind is 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 thinking correctly, and if uh, it, you know, kind of put into perspective how long ago that was. In 1994, it was like looking back almost, if you were living in 1994, it was almost like looking back to the Martin Luther King assassinations. I was born in 1979. So to me, anything that happened before 1979 seems like ancient history. But when I was born in 1979, going back 24 years, if my math is correct, that would be like going back to 1955. I mean, it is... The, the amount of, of, of things that have happened since then is extraordinary. But what I have thought about the OJ case for a long time, and I thought this even back in 95 when the verdict came down, he got away with it, was OJ Simpson was innocent uh, and not guilty. Innocent's probably the wrong phrase, but he was found not guilty by that jury, even though I think every single person listening to us right now believes that he murdered those two people. And OJ was one of the first people and there would be, have been and continue to be a lot since, to play the race card as a reason why he was not responsible for what he did. And what I have always said is, typically in this country, we, we swing a lot of times from one extreme to another. And so OJ was innocent, not, or not guilty. OJ was not guilty, not because he was actually innocent of this crime. I think everybody out there listening to us would acknowledge that OJ was guilty just about. Maybe there's a couple of random losers out there who are like, OJ didn't do it, somebody else did. But OJ was found not guilty because of the racism of the American judicial system before OJ. So in the 1950s, the 1940s, the 1960s, OJ Simpson was found not guilty because of pre-existing racism in the American judicial system. And so there were lots of people out there who were innocent that were murdered and they were not in any way adequately served by the justice system. Give you an easy example. LeBron James, when he wanted to allege the fake graffiti incident outside of his house that I don't believe actually happened in Los Angeles, 
he said, oh, it reminded him of Emmett Till. Well, Emmett Till was innocent, and he was murdered, and his family never received justice for what happened to him. As a result, O.J. Simpson was not guilty. There's a direct connection between existing American racism in the criminal justice system and, unfortunately, modern day in some way, I'm considering that modern day, O.J. Simpson getting off. O.J. Simpson cashed in on the legacy of American judicial racism in order to avoid having to go to jail for murdering two people. Now, when that happened and that story kind of took off, the racial implications of it were significant. But what I always try to do, and this is like me trying to do something that evidently I can do, but the vast majority of the country can't do, I divorce myself from everything other than the facts in a case. And this may be the legal training for me. I don't sit around and think, oh my God, OJ's a black guy, and Nicole Simpson is white, and Ronald Goldman is white. I don't think in any way about the racial implications of that crime. I think really straightforward. Did OJ Simpson commit a murder? Did he kill two people? Regardless of who the victims were, regardless of OJ Simpson's background, when you look at all the evidence, did OJ do it? The answer is yes. And I think anybody who watched that interview which was aired yesterday on Fox, was sitting back saying, my God, this guy is maybe not just a murderer. I think it's possible he's a psychopath. I think the way that O.J. Simpson was talking about in that interview, it was hard for anybody who was watching that to not think, my God, O.J. Simpson is a psychopath. Uh, We've got a clip from that uh, show. If you didn't watch it, it was riveting television I can't imagine what the families continue to go through to have to deal with O.J. avoiding justice in this case. But here's a clip from yesterday's O.J. Simpson special on Fox. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed the knife. I do remember that portion, taking a knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around. And um, um, What kind of stuff? Blood and stuff around. You know, we, you know, I hate to say this, but this is like, but I'm right, sorry. Right. I know we got to back up again. Right. It's <laughs> okay. Know? I want to back this up. Is hard. This is this hard. Is hard. To, I know. know. I want to back up to... to try to make people think that I'm... that's oj simpson laughing as he explained a quote-unquote hypothetical we're going to play that clip for you again we come back out of the last break oj tried to say oh there was this random guy named charlie who was there with him actually let's go ahead and play that again tell me this does not sound like a total and complete psychopath this is oj simpson in 2006 explaining how he came to find himself outside of his ex-wife, Nicole Simpson's place, and also Ron Goldman arriving at the same time. Listen to this again and tell me this is not a total psychopath. And he brought the knife. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed the knife. I do remember that portion, taking a knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of 
stuff around and um, um, what kind of stuff? Butt and stuff around. You know, we. You know, I hate to say this, but this is hypothetical. I'm right, sorry. Right. I, I mean, what a psycho. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. OJ did it, and he's a psychopath. And that clip is chilling. This is Fox Sports Radio. That's Snoop Dogg bringing us back here. This thing is, I think, from 1995 when the OJ verdict came down. That makes you feel old for a lot of us out there, I think. This song is almost a quarter of a century old, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is 94. I think this is 95. You think a train will stop if it sees your car on the tracks? You're right. It will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. Um, I want to play that OJ clip again because I can't stop thinking about how crazy this dude is. I'm headed out to Vegas on Wednesday. I think that's where OJ is spending most of his time, isn't it? I know he's got a place in Florida, but I think he's spending a lot of time in Las Vegas. That song came out in 93? So that song even came out before the OJ uh, murder charge? Yeah, it was still on the radio in early 94, but uh, yeah, it was released in 93. Wow. I mean, that's officially an oldie basically now, right? <laughs> well, you know, it scares a lot of people that uh, K-Earth 101, which is a quote-unquote oldie station here in Southern California, you know, they used to play like Beatles and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now they play some hip-hop in their playlist. It's scary. God, that's crazy. That song is older than the OJ case. Uh, But let's play OJ again. This is a clip. If you didn't watch this Fox special, I think they should honestly replay that Fox special um, because it was eye-opening and how chilling it was. This is OJ. And and for those of you who don't know, I mean, the entire interview was basically predicated on OJ, like, hypothetically talking about this situation. Remember, OJ never testified in his own defense um, maybe because it would have gone as crazy as this sounds. Uh, but again, this is from 2006. OJ is explaining that he basically blacked out and doesn't remember everything and that he was going to Nicole's house with some random guy that he called Charlie. And by the way, Charlie somehow managed to not have any of his shoe prints at the murder scene, to not have any of his blood at the murder scene, to not in any way have been involved in actual physical evidence. So maybe OJ, maybe OJ has got like multiple personality disorder. Who knows what's actually uh, going on? Uh, It seems like it's, I mean, just absolutely crazy. Uh, And some people uh, agree with me that Charlie was like a voice in OJ's head or maybe OJ Simpson has multiple personality disorder. Uh, this is crazy, but here is OJ talking about hypothetically what might have happened when he went to Nicole Brown Simpson's house and Ronald Goldman, the waiter, also showed up there at the same time. Here's what it sounded like. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. 
And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed the knife. I do remember that portion, taking the knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around. And um, um, what kind of stuff? Blood and stuff around. You know, we, you know, I hate to say this, but this is like that. I'm right, sorry. Right. I know we got to back up again. Right. It's <laughs> okay. Know? I want to back this up. This is hard. This is this hard. Is hard. To, I know. Yeah. I want to back it's up hard to, to try to make people think that I'm. No. <laughs> I, I mean, that is just. It sounds like just such a psychotic laugh. I mean, blood curdling almost. Now, some of the truth might be there, right? I mean, it might be. I think what probably happened is OJ went to fight with his uh fight with his wife he may have initially thrown her down as part of that fight maybe he had not stabbed her yet and then this waiter shows up uh Ronald Goldman and tries to get into a karate stance to defend himself because he sees OJ Simpson there and he sees him having just thrown down a woman and then maybe OJ gets into a fight with him stabs him to death as well and then goes back to Nicole Simpson and stabs her to death for I the entire thing is blood curdling to think about and to listen to that audio maybe we'll find a couple more of those clips if we can guys of the ridiculousness that that was for those of you who missed it last night on Fox OJ Simpson essentially I think confessing on air to the double murders, which we all know he did, but still it's difficult to hear that. I'm Clay Travis, it's Outkick. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As well, think a train will stop. If it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. Uh, We have got a loaded show. Hour one, we broke down the NCAA tournament and the brackets for you, got you ready uh, for everything. We're going to talk to Bruce Pearl, Auburn men's basketball coach, in the next segment. Uh, We talked about Tiger Woods. Is he back heading into the Masters as he tries to tune up? He was awfully close to winning his tournament. We'll see whether he can do it in the next uh, tournament or not. But To me, one of the most riveting things I have seen on television in a very long time, the O.J. Simpson special. This was initially taped in 2006, and it was connected to a book that O.J. was writing, which was basically a hypothetical confession called If I Had Done It or If I'd Done It, something like that. And as part of the promotion for this book, the 2006 interview was supposed to have aired on Fox, but... It became so controversial in 2006 that everyone backed away from it at Fox, even Rupert Murdoch, and they would not run it. I don't know how many of you were watching yesterday, but if you were not, we are going to play you a long clip from this incident with O.J. Simpson. Listen to how crazy he sounds. Tell me if this is not, in your opinion, what it is, in my opinion, essentially a confession to the murders from O.J. Simpson, which also lets us know that he has major, deep, and troubling psychological issues, including potentially multiple personality disorder. He might also be a psychopath. Listen to this. This is O.J. Simpson as part of an interview surrounding potentially the release of his book, If I Did It. 
Here's O.J. Simpson talking about that night, the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. Um, the chapter, chapter six, is called The Night in Question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you write in the book, now picture this and keep in mind that this is Purely hypothetical. 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 Yes. Why don't you tell me what might have happened on the night of June 12, 1994? <laughs> And let's just walk yeah, through the night. I, well, first of all, it's, this is very difficult for me to do this. Uh, it was very difficult for me because it's hypothetical. I know and I accept the fact that people are going to feel whatever way they're going to feel. <laughs> you know, uh, they're going to, uh, um, you know, some, uh, whatever, uh, whatever they want to feel. In the book, the hypothetical is... Uh, uh, Charlie. Uh, Paul Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Uh, this guy Charlie shows up, the guy who I had recently become friends with, and uh, I don't know why you had been by Nicole's house, but it told me you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. And uh, and I remember thinking, well, whatever's going on over there has got to stop, right? So we kind of hooked up together, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of broad stroking this. We go over Get into Bronco and go over. Let, let's just go back and do the details. Where did you I park? Let's do the detail. You park in, in the hypothetical in the alley. Right. You park in the alley. Yeah. And you put on a wool cap and gloves. Uh, in the hypothetical, I put on a cap and gloves. Right. Yeah. And um, you reached under the seat for um, a knife. I always kept a knife in the car for the crazies and stuff because you can't travel with a gun. And I remember Charlie saying, you ain't bringing that. And I didn't, right? But I believe he took it. Charlie took the knife? Yeah. In the book. Yeah. Yes. So the back gate, you go through the back gate? Yes. And it was open or broken or? I don't recall. Okay. I go to the front and I'm looking to see what's going on. Um... And I can see that it appears like Nicole had, fly, I had candles all the time. She really did to keep her overhead down, I think. And music was on. And uh, while I was there, a guy shows up. You know, so Ron Goldman comes in the back gate. Yeah. A, a guy that I really didn't recognize. I, I may have seen him around, but I really didn't recognize him to be anyone. And, uh, and I, in the mood I was in, I started having words with him. She says to you, I just came by to return a pair of glasses. Judy left them at the restaurant. Yeah, words to that effect, yes. And, and uh, he was I don't on... know if I believe it or didn't believe it. Uh, it was pretty much immaterial because, you know, uh, I was more concerned about everything that, that, everything that was going on, you know, and uh, was uh, fed up with it, I guess. And uh, You get into a fight. Nicole comes out. A verbal, a verbal A verbal fight. fight. Got a little loud, and by that time, uh, uh, Nicole had come out, and we started having words about who is this guy, why is he here, what's going on. And, and she says, this is my house, get that the F out yeah, of here. Yes, and uh, which I didn't like because, once again, this is the same person, and if you read the book, you'll see some things that happened in the two weeks leading up to this that were uh, very, very irritating, you know. Uh, and I think Charlie had followed this guy in, one make sure it was no problem, and he brought the knife. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing, 
And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed a knife. I do remember that portion, taking a knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around. And, um, um. What kind of stuff? Blood and stuff around. You know, we, you know, I hate to say this, but this is like a Right, right. I know we got to back up again. Right. It's <laughs> okay. Know? I want to back this up. This is hard. This is this hard. Is hard. To, yeah. I know. I want to back up to try to make people think that I'm. A... No. <laughs> um, you wrote in the book, "I had never seen so much blood in my life." Mm. Yes. Covered. You're covered. The scene. Can you describe yeah, it? I, I, it's hard for me to describe it. I'm telling you, I don't think any two people could be. Um, Murdered the way they were without everybody been covered in blood. And of course, I think we've all seen the grisly pictures after. So, yeah, I think everything was covered, would have been covered in blood. And what goes through your mind at a time like that? I don't know. It's like, uh, what happened? Right. Mm -hmm. You write about removing a glove before taking the knife from Charlie. Uh, you know, I had no conscious uh, memory of doing that, but obviously I must have because they found a glove there. And blacking out? Have you ever blacked out before? Not to my knowledge. No. No. Of course, uh, of course, if something like this would take place in anybody's life, if it were to happen, I would imagine it's something that you would probably automatically uh, have trouble wrapping your, your mind around it. It was horrible. It was absolutely hard. That's O.J. Simpson, and I would imagine that everybody out there starting their day listening to that is as riveted by it as I am and was. Essentially, he just admitted and confessed to the murder of both of these people in this 2006 interview, which had not seen the light of day for 12 years. And I understand he's theoretically writing. First of all, how psychotic is it to come up with the idea to write a book called If I Did It? And I just... I mean, I think a lot of you are kind of just sitting there jaw-dropping as well. I mean, this whole Charlie invention, I mean, it sounds like what a psychotic person would say in the wake of a murder that he has created this different fictional character in his mind that is responsible for this murder. And it wasn't OJ who did it. It was Charlie who did it. And I just, when I listen to that, I just, I mean, it is chilling. It is absolutely terrifying to hear I'm probably going to play that for you again because I think given how much time has been discussed in energy on the OJ Simpson murder trial that effectively I believe is a confession for what happened that night I don't think there's very many people who listen to that audio that are saying man you know what maybe maybe he didn't do it that is whew. 
That is just unbelievable audio. And obviously it was on television last night for those of you who didn't see it. Fox may need to air it again, frankly. Uh, Wow. Just wow. Uh, We are going to talk with Bruce Pearl next. We're going to take a break. We'll go uh, dial back the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the terror there and talk with Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl. Then I'm going to circle back around and talk about that OJ clip more and probably play it again for you at the top of Hour 3. All of that still still to come here on OutKick. If you want to react to that OJ clip, you're also welcome to hang out during the Bruce Pearl interview, and I will go to you at the bottom of the hour, 877-996-6. And... Wow. Just a flat-out unbelievable clip there. Up next, Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl will talk about the NCAA tournament. Then I will take your calls and we'll react to the clip we just all heard from last night's Fox special, O.J. Simpson effectively confessing to the murders of Nicole Simpson and play Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Got to ask you, are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter.com slash Clay. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Joined now by Bruce Pearl, Auburn men's basketball coach. What did you think when you saw the brackets? You're the number four overall seed in the Midwest. Do you think about the way the season ended? Do you think about the season from top to bottom? Or do you just forget about everything and focus immediately on what has to happen on the bracket? What is the experience like when you see your name pop up on that screen? Clay, I think you focus right at the, uh, at the end of the year and, and what you got to do from this point forward. We, gotta, we have a tournament in San Diego with three other teams and uh, Clemson, and New Mexico State, College of Charleston, and Auburn are going to be playing for a chance to go to the Sweet 16, and 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 that's how that's how that's the first thing I think of. That's how you break it down. I think the second thing is you look at the Midwest region, and you got Kansas number one, you got Duke number two, Michigan State number three, and Auburn number four. All household names in college basketball. <laughs> nothing, nothing but the elite. <laughs> Uh, your team down the stretch, you lose on Friday early at noon. What do you tell your team in the locker room right after that loss? Well, I told them, I said, we're probably going to be a, you know, a three, four, five seat. I talked about the four thirteen, the the five twelve. you know, the, the, the way that is, that's going to be everybody's upset pick. And, but the good news is anybody in that pod or whatever is good enough to be anybody else. Um, so don't, don't, uh, don't presume anything. Um, you know, if you, I think 
Clay, if you break it down into compartments of, you know, we just got to win two games to be one of 16 teams left. That's something that this basketball team is capable of doing and uh, try, to, try, try to paint that picture for them. You have to travel, I believe, all the way out to San Diego. Um, how do you adjust the schedule, if at all, in relatively short amount of time? Do you think at all about where the games are being played? Take us into the preparation now that you know who you're playing against. What are the next couple of days like for your team? Well, we, you know, last night we, we the coaches worked pretty late to, to get a real good hard look at Charleston, um, and uh, they're good. Uh, there's there's a reason why they've been very very successful. They got some dudes and they they, they know how to play. Um, it'd be a tough match. It's going to be a tough matchup for us. Really really good guard play. Um, today we'll practice. Tomorrow we'll practice. We'll probably travel um, Tuesday night and and get some of the travel out of the way so that we can be on the ground for a couple of days uh, before we, we play the game. Uh, we'll have some off-site practices, and, um, and we like that Friday at 4.30. When you look, you, you just said you got Kansas, you got Duke, you got Michigan State, and you've got Auburn. Uh, the SEC also got eight teams into the NCAA tournament, which shatters prior records. If I had told you before this season starts – uh, when some guys are out there predicting that your team's going to go four and fourteen in the SEC, if I had told you that you were going to be a four seed with this Auburn team, what would your reaction have been in the preseason? Um, no, no way. You know, I just no, no, no way with a few other words involved. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I said, Clay, I said before the season that I thought this was an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I've never said that since I've been at Auburn um, because I do. I, I, I felt like it was. We had enough experience coming back from a year ago. Um, we won 18 games, which was the second best season Auburn had had in like 14 seasons. We had eight guys back, six of whom who played this year. And, and that experience of, of, of not winning a lot of close games a year ago, not making free throws, not ending possessions with a rebound, not – not getting back in transition cost us postseason a year ago. We fixed almost all those things during the course of the season. Now, the problem for us is this. You know, we were down to nine guys all year long after the suspensions. Well, and then Anthony McLemore, he, he, he dislocates his ankle and breaks his, you know, his foot six games ago. We're two and four without him. Uh, you know, that's not, that's not exactly – hot going into the NCAA tournament. But this team still is good enough to be able to advance in this in this field. You, you mentioned like the hot and not hot as you go into the NCAA tournament. You took to Tennessee to six straight uh, NCAA tournaments. You took Wisconsin-Milwaukee to a Sweet 16. You took Tennessee literally about as close as you could get to the Final Four. A variety of different teams over those years in terms of how well you were playing when you went into the tournament. How much does that matter? Uh, in other words, how much of the NCAA tournament is a brand new season effectively, and how much of it is an extension of what already has taken place, certainly at the end of the season as you came into March? Well, you know, I, I, I think um, it, it's not the same in any given year. It, it does change. But if you are playing good basketball and you're defending efficiently and you're healthy, and the guys are looking at the rim, and it looks like the ocean. They feel like they can throw it in there. The, the hoop's so big. I, I definitely think you have a better chance of maintaining that as you go into the tournament. Um, 
the, the SEC was a grind. I mean, it was it was night in and night out. Every night, somebody was capable of being here. And, Clay, one of the things that you and I talked about was the fact that Tennessee and Auburn won this conference was because we didn't always play well. But every night, those two teams brought it. Those two teams were, as, were excited about playing and brought the effort and the energy. Listen, cream rises to the top come tournament time. The talent usually does because this is it. And, and everybody is obviously fired up and engaged. I think the great challenge for our ball club heading into this opening round is I've been on the other side. I've been a play when I was at Wisconsin, Milwaukee. That's like the College of Charleston. Like, this is their one shining moment. They they won the CAA, which was terrific. They've done it before, but this this is what they've been waiting for all season long. Our guys going through the grind of the SEC. No, we, you know we've expended we've had to expend a lot of energy. To win the SEC, now I got to get my guys this week as excited, as hungry, and, and, and as, as as College of Charleston. That's the key for me. What's it feel like in those moments right before tip? How much more nervous is uh, your team in general for the NCAA tournament as opposed to a regular season basketball game? T- take us into the locker room. What are those moments? And you've been there a lot of years now. I think seven different years you've taken teams to NCAA tournaments. You've taken them to big games in that tournament. But as those moments tick down before the game actually starts, does it feel perceptibly different in the locker room than it otherwise does for other games? It, there's no question it does because of the field that you're out there with, the teams that you're competing with. Uh, the moment is so much bigger. It is sudden death. You know, it's it survive in advance. And what I want to try to look at is the opportunity that's in front of us. Two wins from the Sweet 16. Uh, well, if we lose this game, we get upset uh, and, and the season's over. No, no. Let's look at the opportunity. Let's look. Let, let's let's continue to write history. You know, they're going to say, eight, is eight enough? Or, or is eight not enough? Because that's all we got. We got eight guys. And is that going to be enough? If you could, if, and this team can continue to make history. You, uh, and I appreciate you joining us. We're talking to Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl. You watch a lot of college basketball outside of the teams that you break down. When you look at this NCAA tournament field and you think about all the guys that you've played and all the teams that you've seen as you scouted and everything else, Am I crazy to think this is as wide open as a tournament we have seen in a very long time, or do you also see it as one? I know it can happen every year, but legitimately where anything can happen. Anything can happen. It's as wide open as anything I've ever seen. You know, you just, you just, I mean, you look at uh, the, the top teams. They've all got warts. They've all got, they've, they've all got things that make them vulnerable. And I do, I do think that uh, that that you you could have uh, a, a final four that um, that that clearly will not be four one seats. No doubt at all, Bruce. I know you've got a lot scheduled this morning. I appreciate you waking up early with us. Good luck breaking down everything with College of Charleston. We'll be watching uh, when you guys take the floor. Clay, thanks a lot, man. That is Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl joining us early here live on the show. Just got his bracket assignment yesterday. Auburn, the four seed in the Midwest, Kansas, Duke, Michigan State. Auburn will be taking on 
College of Charleston. All right, let's bring in Eddie Garcia. Let's find out what's shaking the world of sports. All right, Clay, we're talking college basketball. Let's give you the rest of the top four seeds by region. You talked about it just a moment ago with Auburn as the four seed in the Midwest. Kansas, the one seed. Duke and Michigan State, the two and three seed. In the South, Virginia is the top seed, followed by Cincinnati, Tennessee, and Arizona. In the East, Villanova gets the one seed. Purdue, Texas Tech, and Wichita State round out the top four. And in the West, Xavier is the number one seed with North Carolina, Michigan, and Gonzaga as the top four. ACC led all conferences with nine teams in the tournament. The SEC got eight teams in. That's a new record for the SEC. NBA games a note. Rockets beat the Mavericks 105-82. Houston's the first team in the West to clinch a playoff spot. They get the win without James Harden, who sat out the game with a knee injury. Timberwolves beat the Warriors 109-103. No Steph Curry still for Golden State with that ankle injury. Raptors over the Knicks 132-106 and the Lakers down the Cavaliers 127-113. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And uh, more from the NBA, where Spurs head coach Greg Popovich said last month he didn't think star player Kawhi Leonard would return this season because of an injury with his quad. Even though the team had cleared him to play, he said he wasn't ready to play. Well, it looks like Leonard, according to reports, is going to return to the court this Thursday for the Spurs. Gotcha. We're coming to you live from Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. That was Auburn men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl we just heard from. I got to tell you, as excited as I am about the NCAA tournament, I can't stop thinking about the OJ special that I saw last night and the five-minute, four-minute, whatever amount of clip that was that we played from the Fox special. I want to go to you guys out in L.A. uh, first because you're in L.A. Have you noticed a perceptible reaction in any way to the OJ doc, the OJ kind of interview out there in LA. I mean, did it land like a neutron neutron bomb, or did this kind of catch people by surprise that this show was even going to be on? Yeah, I think it kind of caught people off guard a little bit. I, I did see it blowing up Twitter as we were advertising it a lot, but I, I think most people reacted the way you did, Clay, which was, "How did this get shelved for so long?" You know what I mean? And it just it's weird that it never saw the light of day until now in 2018. It is unbelievable that this thing was recorded all the way back in 2006. I mean, it is uh it's remarkable. I mean, Justin, are you in agreement here that there I mean, you you grab this clip for us. I mean, is there any doubt that he did it like after hearing that clip? It's hard to argue otherwise. I mean, I don't really know where else you can uh, where else you can come from from the other side at this point. Yeah, I mean, it is remarkable. I'm going to open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. Should we play that? Like, that clip to me is so riveting. I know people are in their cars, and you may have heard it already. But let's go ahead and play that clip again, and then I'm going to take your reactions to it. I'm going to open up the phone lines. If you have not heard this clip, so here's the backstory on this. In 2006, there was the plan to release an O.J. Uh, OJ Simpson book called If I Did It. Some of you may remember the outrage that that, uh, that, that led to, such that the HarperCollins publisher, I believe, canceled the release of the book. There was so much outrage 11 years after the O.J. Simpson verdict 
that people said, no, 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 we're not going to allow him to make any money, even though, interestingly enough, any money that he made basically would have gone to the uh, to the, the victims in this case, according to the civil suit uh, verdict, which found that O.J. Simpson was liable for wrongful death when the uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman's family sued him after he was found not guilty, despite the fact, I think, everybody being uh, aware that he was, in fact, guilty. And then on top of that, to have that actually ensue uh, and then have this canceled, this interview was considered so provocative that when Fox announced they were going to air it, they immediately had an advertiser backlash in 2006 and they couldn't air it. And then maybe because American Idol is starting on ABC, Fox goes back into the vault and decides, you know what, we're going to air this on Sunday. I think, if anything, this thing did not receive as much publicity as maybe it deserved. I don't know what the ratings will look like, how many millions of people will have ended up watching, but I feel like there are a lot of you out there that did not know this was happening. You know, you got lost in the NCAA tournament, uh, the Tiger Woods uh, race on Sunday. There were a lot of sports stories going on, and this may have flown a little bit under the radar. So... We have clipped about five minutes uh, of the uh, of of this interview, and we are going to play it for you once more. What I'm going to what I'm going to request of you is we're going to have our own jury. I want you to listen to this, and obviously you're not able to see O.J. Simpson's facial expressions, but they're also crazy. And tell me that he is not almost Fight Club style, inventing an alter ego on the spot multiple personality disorder. OJ is talking about that night, and he is saying that he went to this residence with a person named Charlie, some random person who decides to bring a uh, a knife and also some random person who tells OJ what's going on at Nicole Brown Simpson's house. Now, it's important for you guys to know this. All the evidence that has ever been uh, found and testifying is that OJ drove to this house by himself. In other words, there are people who saw O.J. speeding away from the crime scene. There are people who saw O.J. theoretically on the way to the crime scene. None of them ever saw any other individual with them, with him at the crime scene. There was also never any other footprints inside of the blood. No other evidence tying anybody else to the crime scene other than O.J. Simpson. Listen to this chilling clip that aired last night on Fox. The chapter, chapter six, is called The Night in Question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you write in the book, now picture this and keep in mind that this is Purely hypothetical. 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 Yes. Why don't you tell me what might have happened on the night of June 12th, 1994? <laughs> and let's just walk yeah, through the night. I, well, first of all, it's, this is very difficult for me to do this. Uh, it was very difficult for me because it's hypothetical. I know and I accept the fact that people are going to feel whatever way they're going to feel. <laughs> You know, uh, they're going to, uh, um, you know, some, uh, whatever, uh, whatever they want to feel. In the book, the hypothetical is... Uh, uh, Charlie. Uh, Paul Sutter. Charlie. <laughs> uh, this guy, Charlie, shows up. The guy who I had recently become friends with. And uh, I don't know why you had been by Nicole's house, but it told me you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. And... Uh, and I remember thinking, well, whatever's going over there has got to stop, right? So we kind of hooked up together, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of broad-stroking this. We go over 
get in the Bronco and go over it. Let, let's just go back and do the details. Where did you I'll park? I see the detail. You park in, in the, the hypothetical in the alley. Right. You park in the alley. Yeah. And you put on a wool cap and gloves. Uh, in the hypothetical, I put on a cap and gloves. Right. Yeah. And um, you reached under the seat for um, a knife. I always kept a knife in the car for the crazies and stuff because you can't travel with a gun. And I remember Charlie saying, you ain't bringing that. And I didn't, right? But I believe he took it. Charlie took the knife? Yeah. In the book. Yeah. Yes. So the back gate, you go through the back gate? Yes. And it was open or broken or? I don't recall. Okay. I go to the front and I'm looking to see what's going on. Um, and I can see that it appears like Nicole had, I had candles all the time. She really did to keep her overhead down, I think. And music was on. And uh, while I was there, a guy shows up. You know? So Ron Goldman comes in the back gate. Yeah. A, a, a guy I really didn't recognize. I, I may have seen him around, but I really didn't recognize him to be anyone. And, uh, and I, in the mood I was in, I started having words with him. He says to you, I just came by to return a pair of glasses. Judy left them at the restaurant. Yeah, words to that effect, yes. And, and uh, he was I don't know if I believed it or didn't believe it. Uh, it was pretty much immaterial because, you know, uh, I was more concerned about everything that, that everything that was going on, you know, and uh, was uh, fed up with it, I guess. And uh, You get into a fight. Nicole comes out. And verbal, a verbal A verbal fight. fight. Got a little loud, and by that time, uh, uh, Nicole had come out, and we started having words about who is this guy, why is he here, what's going on. And, and she says, this is my house, get that the F out yeah, of here. Yes, and uh, which I didn't like because, once again, this is the same person, and if you read the book, you'll see some things that happened in the two weeks leading up to this that were uh, very, very irritating, you know. Uh, and I think Charlie had followed this guy in, one make sure it was no problem, and he brought the knife. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed the knife. I do remember that portion, taking the knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around and, um, um, what kind of stuff? Blood and stuff around. You know, we, you know, I hate to say this, but this is not that I'm right, sorry. Right. I know we got to back up again. Right. It's <laughs> okay. Know? I'm going to back this up. This is hard. This is this hard. Is hard. To, yeah. I know. I'm going to back it's up hard to, to try to make people think that I'm a. No. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, you wrote in the book, I had never seen so much blood in my life. Mm. Yes. Covered, you're covered. The scene, can you describe yeah, it? I, I, it's hard for me to describe it. I'm telling you, I don't think any two people could be um, murdered the way they were without everybody being covered in blood. And of course, I think we've all seen the grisly pictures after. So yeah, I think everything was covered. Would have been covered in blood. What goes through your mind at a time like that? I don't know. It's like, uh, what happened? Right. Mm -hmm. 
You write about removing a glove before taking the knife from Charlie. Uh, you know, I had no conscious uh, memory of doing that, but obviously I must have because they found the glove there. And blacking out. Have you ever blacked out before? Not to my knowledge. No. No. Of course, uh, of course, if something like this would take place in anybody's life, if it were to happen, I would imagine it's something that you would probably automatically uh, have trouble wrapping your, your mind around it. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. That's O.J. Simpson, open phone lines, last night airing on Fox a 2006 interview that had never previously seen the light of day. Do you take it as I do, as effectively a confession, taking us into, at long last, that story, that night, three people outside of Nicole Brown Simpson's house, O.J. Simpson, Nicole Brown Simpson, and Ronald Goldman, only one of them still alive, to describe what might have happened in any way in those final awful moments of those two murder victims' lives. This sounds like something that may well have happened. 877-996-6369. I want your reactions. We'll go to you. You'll be the jury. We'll take cause on this. We'll continue to unpack it. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Eminem bringing us back. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. As well, if you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop, trains can't. We're going straight to your calls. We have played this chilling O.J. Simpson audio which I think is tantamount to a confession. I think OJ wants to confess. In my experience in criminal law, many times people who have done things like this eventually do want to tell the truth. I think this was OJ Simpson's way of actually telling us what truly happened. Now, there is no double jeopardy. He's been found not guilty. Uh, but this is, a, uh, this is an amazing, I think, revelatory moment where O.J. Simpson has finally confessed to the murders. It aired last night on Fox, a 2006 interview surrounding the potential release of a book that was never released called If I Did It. Um, And I want you guys to be the jury. We've got loaded lines. I'm going to take all your calls across the country as you guys react to what you just heard. Dell in Fresno, I'm going to start with you. Uh, What's up, Dell? Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, What you got? Yeah, what you got for me? Well, well, I worked for um, Borders Books and Music when that book was about to come out, and I remember just the the um, the hoopla surrounding it. Like the it was going to be really heavily promoted. Uh, it was a whole promotional campaign is going to be up at the front table. Um, it was staged and everything. And then the day before the book was scheduled to actually come out, they actually we got a call from Harper Collins saying that nope, we got to recall it. They reboxed it. They took all the books that we had gotten put them in the manager's office, actually counted them to make sure that none of the books kind of disappeared. Um, but I remember the week before, we, we were looking at it, and, I mean, it was chilling. The book itself, it pretty much, I thought it was a confession when I, when I looked at it. Yeah, I appreciate the call, and that's, that's taking us inside to that story where all these books immediately had to get pulled. 
Ah, uh, and they never saw the light of day. I don't know if you can find one of you guys, uh, maybe Jason Martin or the guys in L.A., do a search and see if any of those books ever got out. Can you buy If I Did It on eBay anywhere? Did any of those books, uh, surely some of them have seen the light of day? The book's out. The book came out in 2008. I want to make sure we clarify that. It was released by the Goldman family who viewed it as a confession, retitled it If I Did It, Confessions of the Killer. You can buy it in numerous places. Right now it's on Amazon, for instance. I'm looking at uh, okay. it. Okay, I didn't speak. even know that. All right, well, that's interesting. Uh, let's go to Magnus in Houston. What's up? Hey, Clay, best show on radio. Where else can you hear dinosaurs and sports and now murder? <laughs> uh, so I, I've always thought it's clear he was there. I think that's, that's 100% certainty he was there. But I've always wondered about this second person, and I'm, so I'm not sure Charlie is an alter ego. I really think someone was there, and one of, the, one of the top theories is that it may have been his son. But what I thought was interesting is what happened in Vegas, the way he gathered his posse, I think he always had somebody around whenever he kind of put on a show or or went into one of these episodes where he was, you know, kind of macho man or bigger than himself. And I've just always known he was there, but I'm not sure he's the only one that participated in that murder. And to me, that's why I I think in a way in his own head, he can disconnect himself a bit and be like, well, I didn't really do it. I wasn't the only person there. Yeah, I understand that. Thanks for the call. Uh, I understand that argument. There is zero evidence to support anybody else being there. Uh, I read The People versus O.J. Simpson, Jeffrey Tubin's book, which they based the series on a couple of years ago. And if you go back and look through all of the evidence, there were multiple people who saw O.J. driving to and from this scene by himself. And so, not to mention that the entire scene was covered in blood, it would have been impossible for there not to be additional footprints. So, the shoes they found, they matched perfectly, all of those things, the same sizes as OJ. Going to continue to take your calls, 877-996-6369. If you're just getting into your car and you're just starting off your day, some of you may not have watched this, but last night... O.J. Simpson live on television on Fox effectively, I believe, confessed to the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson and to Ronald Goldman, the waiter who was showing up. I will go back into this. We'll talk about some of the details surrounding it, and we will take your calls. I'm Clay Travis, blockbuster story, finally getting some resolution, I believe, last night on Fox. We're here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. We've all got a lot going on in our lives, but GoToMeeting is the online meeting platform trusted by 99% of all Fortune 500 companies that's making it simple for you and your employees to meet with ease. To learn how your company can make the switch today, visit GoToMeeting.com. Dot com. We are reacting to a lot of stories as you wake up across the nation. About to go to your calls, but I want to hit several different of these major stories here as we come into the final hour of the show. The NCAA tournament is set. Uh, the brackets are officially locked. I believe if you look at the brackets and you're trying to pick a champ, the Midwest is the toughest region with Kansas, Duke, Michigan State, and Auburn all there. We talked to Bruce Pearl in hour two about that bracket. Also, I think the South is the toughest uh, bracket out there in the second toughest uh, region out there, I should say. Virginia, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Arizona as the one, two, three, and four there. I think the West 
is the third uh, most difficult. Xavier, UNC, Michigan, and Gonzaga are your top four there. And in the East, and we'll obviously be breaking down a lot of the NCAA tournament brackets throughout this week, we've got Villanova, Purdue, Texas Tech, and Wichita State. I think it is by far the easiest of the regions out there. The uh, the odds on who is going to win the NCAA tournament from uh, Sportsbook Review, I'm reading uh, off S- at SBR Sports Picks. Villanova plus 350, Duke 5 to 1, UVA 6 to 1, Michigan State 6 to 1. Those are the top four. If you're looking in the Midwest, that means that two of the favorites to win the tournament are the two and the three seed there. Kansas is actually the one seed, and two of the top candidates to win the tournament overall are their two and their three. Michigan's at 10 to 1, Purdue 12 to 1, Arizona, I think, underseeded. As a as a uh, four seed, if you watch the way DeAndre Ayton played at fifteen to one, Kansas eighteen to one, North Carolina eighteen to one, Xavier number one overall seed twenty to one, Cincinnati a uh, big rival of Xavier there in the city of Cincinnati at twenty to one, Kentucky and Gonzaga check in at twenty five to one, and West Virginia at forty to one. Those are your top contenders to win the NCAA tournament, according to Sportsbook Review. Tiger Tiger Woods is back, y'all. Tiger Woods came in second overall. He looks poised to be a major contender at the Masters this year, which is fantastic for those of us, myself included, who are big golf fans. My argument is that Tiger Woods is the biggest single athlete ever in his sport in terms of a guy that draws in attention that otherwise people don't care. In other words... I think Tiger in golf is bigger even than Jordan was for basketball, than McGregor or Rousey are in the UFC, even than Mike Tyson was back in the day in boxing. Tiger Woods, I would put number one, probably Mike Tyson, number two, Michael Jordan, number three on my list of the three most important athletes for their sport of all time. That is, people who otherwise would not care about the sport cared about Tiger Woods and still do. Mike Tyson back in the day made boxing matter and Michael Jordan still 96, 97, 98 Bulls. As much as people want to brag on the NBA now, the ratings have still not equaled what Michael Jordan did in 96, 97, 98. Jordan still sells more shoes by far than any current NBA player 20 years after he hung up the laces. Uh, But what is pulling all of my attention, and I can't stop thinking about it, even with all of these sports stories, even with Odell Beckham Jr. in bed with a girl who might have been doing cocaine in video, even on video, even with the Browns making all the moves that they did and at raising questions about what they might be willing and or able to do at number one overall with that pick. Could they be taking Saquon Barkley, daring the Giants and the Colts to make a trade and also still thinking they can get their top quarterback at four? And with all the drama surrounding Drew Brees and Kirk Cousins as we come down the stretch of NFL free agency about to begin, all of that, to me, pales in comparison to what happened last night with O.J. Simpson on Fox, where he effectively confessed to the murder. This video, Chilling, was made in 2006. Here is the quick excerpt of what he said, basically, about this murder, then I'm going to go to your calls. Lots of you want to react to this. Let's play that short excerpt. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. 
And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed a knife. I do remember that portion, taking a knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around. And um, um, What kind of stuff? Blood and stuff around. You know, we, you know, I hate to say this, but this is not that. Right, right. I know we got to back up again. Right. It's <laughs> okay. Know? I want to back this up. This is hard. This is this hard. Is hard. To, yeah. I know. Yeah. I want to back it's up hard to... to try to make people think that I'm a... no. <laughs> I know. I know. Um... Chilling audio there of O.J. Simpson talking about the way that he would have killed Nicole Brown Simpson if he had, in fact, actually killed her. Just absolutely chilling that this aired. It was a 2006 interview that Fox shelved because of Advertiser Revolt back in 2006. They also shelved the book, which later would be released. Um, And uh, we are going to now dive in to the the calls. And man, a lot of you out there with me saying this is unbelievable uh, situation here to have this finally air. 877-996-6369 is your uh, call number to hit. Let's go to Mike in Modesto. What's up, Mike? It is chilling and dis- disgusting, Clay. You know, I remember, let's remember that O.J. Simpson lost the civil trial because he had to testify. And in a criminal trial, you do not have to testify. The worst decision ever by a lawyer was to put Mike Tyson on the stand in Indiana. The best decision ever was to not put O.J. Simpson on the stand. And who really lost that trial and botched it was the LAPD and Mark Furman. O.J.'s lawyer successfully made them look like they planted evidence, and Mark Furman lied on the stand. That became about the police versus O.J., Easy decision for that jury. They didn't trust the police, so they acquitted O.J. That's what happened, Clay. Thank you for the time. Yeah, but O.J. confessed here, and I agree with you. I mean, uh, the Simpson legal team put the L.A. Police Department on trial and tried to distract from the fact that O.J. Simpson committed a double murder. And as in so doing, they decided to make racism their defense. Now, racism exists. There's no doubt about it. But racism had nothing to do with O.J. Simpson committing these two murders. And that's why I said when I covered and, 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 and paid attention to this story over the years, the fact that O.J. is a black guy and his victims are white, to me, is insignificant in the larger scale of this story. O.J. Simpson committed a double murder, and I think last night, for the first time ever, we heard him confess in his own words. Bubba in North Carolina. What's up, Bubba? Hey, good morning, Clay. Um, I just wanted to be the first to go on record and say that uh, we need to go ahead and get O.J. a nomination for Oscar next year. I mean, he fits all the criteria. It's a documentary of a beloved sports figure in L.A., uh, and those solo people couldn't have been happier that Kobe won. So I I think he fits all the criteria. It's all in line here. Yeah, maybe Kobe's going to do a, if I did it, uh, a special in a few years talking about how he raped that girl. Uh, Maybe so. Paul in Virginia. What's up, Paul? Uh, well, not to uh, trample on anybody's feelings, I think this case with O.J. is, is pretty worn out. <laughs> I've heard so much about it over the years for so long. It's like a lot, you know. I don't, you don't think it's a big deal that O.J. Uh, basically confessed to the murders last night on Fox? 
Well, if that's, you know, like I say, if that's the case. Uh, I mean, you heard the audio, but, right? Uh, I heard, so you called I in. Hold on, just, uh, Paul. You called in to say you don't have that much of an opinion about O.J. Simpson. It, it's it's just that it's, uh, you know, if it needs to be prosecuted, prosecuted. But uh, as far as the media is concerned, you know, uh, there are better things to talk about. I All mean, right. It's just, uh, it's hang cold. up on. Hang up on, Paul. Here's the deal. If you call in to say that you don't care about anything relating to the OJ case, then you care about the OJ case. Guy who calls in to say he's not interested in a story is interested in the story. It compelled you enough to get out your phone, call the station, and tell me, hey, I don't care about this story anymore. That's caring. That's provoking a reaction. If you're one of these people out there, and there aren't very many of them, who whenever people are talking about a story, you say, oh, I don't care about the story, and I care so little about the story that I'm willing to call you and sit on hold for a half hour to tell you that you don't care about the story, guess what? You care about the story. Rod in Florida, what's up? I agree with that. (laughs) I, you know, it's it's really sickening. The one thing that that OJ did, and through this whole interview, is laugh. Now, if, I don't know if you remember at the time when this was all taking place, but OJ Simpson said, "Oh, he was going to find the killer. He was going to devote all his time because he really loved her." Yes. And how can you laugh at something like that? I think and he's it was psychotic. A I, I, laugh. I think it's psychotic. I mean, it reminds me, thanks for the call. It reminds me a little bit of the situation uh, in, in, it's a hypothetical, I mean, it's it's a made-up movie, but in Fight Club. And spoiler alert, you have basically a guy with multiple personality disorder who's been viewing things outside of his own uh, head. I think what happened with O.J. Simpson is that if you listen to that confession, and man, it is unbelievable. If you're in your car right now and you have not heard it, you need to download the podcast, you need to go back and listen to the clips that we have been playing. I may also put that clip up on OutKick this morning so that you guys can go watch the full video of it. Uh, but to me, what that represents is effectively O.J. Simpson telling you what happened that night. And I think O.J. is trying to do it in a hypothetical sense But I think as you hear him telling that story, the hypothetical is tossed out the window and he's effectively telling you what happened because I think he wants to tell the truth. And I think it's it's blatantly clear that he killed both of those people. I think what happened is OJ went to the house. He was spying on Nicole Simpson, which there is ample evidence he used to do. He used to go to her place and walk around sort of peeping Tom-esque to look in her windows and see what she was doing because he felt like he owned her because they used to be married together. And when he would find other men there or see that she was with other men, he would see the inside and his anger would boil. And I think what happened that night is he went there to, to spy on her, and when he was going there to spy on her, Ronald Goldman showed up at the house, and he believed Ronald Goldman was showing up 
to hook up with his ex-wife. And I think they got into an argument outside in front of that house, in front of that condo, that that alerted Nicole to the fact that OJ was there. She came outside. That argument escalated. OJ pulled out a knife and he murdered both of them right there in cold blood in front of the house. And I think that's what OJ is effectively telling you in that confession that we have played a couple of times on this show so far. Paul in Fargo. What's up, Paul? Hey, Clay, J. Mark. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, you used the perfect word to describe listening to OJ speak, and that word is chilling. I mean, I have the chills right now just listening to the clip of that interview that you've been playing. And what really sticks out to me, and you've referenced this, when you construct a hypothetical situation, there, there are some details that you create that, that fit the details that would come to mind when you create and describe a hypothetical situation. And there are some details that you would not create unless, unless you're truly describing something that really happened. And so many of the details that he describes, for example, when he describes why he has a knife in his car. I mean, well, and I could go on and on, but, and I agree with you that there was no evidence of anyone else being there that would have been involved in the murders and his construction of this Charlie character is a sign of some sort of split personality disorder. I agree with you. He is psychotic. And I also agree with you. He is dying to tell the truth about this for whatever reason. Um, just chilling altogether. Uh, and real quick, I hate to get off topic because this is such a great topic, but I, I have to thank you for having my man Jeff Nadu on the show last Thursday. Uh, I found him on Twitter of all places at the beginning of the college hoop season. I followed him and his picks during the year. He's a character, really entertaining, and but he really knows his college hoops. Just just wanted to throw that in there. Great topic, great show today. Clay, J. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, have a great week, guys. Appreciate that. Um, I I think this OJ clip that we're, that we've played, maybe we need to play it in the final segment of the show. So if you're in your car and you're on your way to work, we'll play it in the final segment of the show again for you because I think it's that chilling. And I think given the fact that there has been an upswing in O.J. Simpson interest with the People versus O.J. Simpson airing and certainly with the documentary O.J.'s America and the Oscar that, uh, that ESPN won for that documentary. I think the fact that O.J. Simpson now on video has basically confessed and they aired it last night on Fox is symptomatic of larger issues. I mean, I think O.J. has got a lot of issues, obviously. But I think many times when people commit crimes like this there's an element of OJ that wants to brag about having done it now I think there is an element of OJ that wants everybody to know that he did it and that he got away with it and that he basically feels as if he owns Nicole Simpson that he chose to take her life because she was his possession and I think if you look at all the domestic violence and everything else that surrounded OJ, as well as his involvement in, you know, it's funny that they put the LA police on trial in this case, because if you read about OJ's relationship with the police, the LA police were not racist in any way with OJ. They protected him. They considered him to be one of the guys. They would show up at his swimming pool and hang out. OJ had a great relationship with police. The idea that they were racist against him is insanely absurd. Very few people 
in the history of the city of Los Angeles received better treatment than O.J. Simpson did, including and up to the early moments of their investigation of O.J. Simpson for committing this murder. One reason O.J. was able to get away with it was not because the L.A. police were biased against him. It was because the L.A. police were biased in favor of him. And now to have O.J. effectively come out and admit to this murder in such chilling detail, I think you hear this audio without even seeing the video in conjunction with it, it's hard not to get chill bumps on your arms. We'll play that audio for you in the final segment of the show again. So in about 20 minutes, if you're in your car and you have not heard it yet and you're starting off your day, we will play it for you one last time in the final segment of the show because I just find it to be so incredibly chilling and because I believe it's a final resolution to the O.J. Simpson case. It's been a whodunit for a long time where most of us believe that O.J. did it, but effectively O.J. now has confessed to it. Up next, Todd Furman. We're going to go out to the desert in Las Vegas. We'll talk the NCAA tournament. The brackets are out What do we think is likely to happen? Where are the value plays? What are the best picks to make in the tournament? We'll talk about all that and more with Todd Furman. We'll go to him next. Again, we'll play that OJ audio. If you're just getting in your car and you're just starting off your day and you didn't watch that special last night on Fox, trust me, stay in your cars, keep your phones with you, go into the office and listen in the final segment if you haven't already heard it. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Thanks for spending your Monday morning with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Up next, it's Todd Furman breaking down the NCAA tournament for y'all on the Monday after Selection Sunday. When you're hiring, you don't want to waste time sorting through dozens of irrelevant resumes. You want an efficient way to get a short list of qualified candidates. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes. Set up screener questions based on your job requirements, then zero in on qualified candidates using an intuitive online dashboard. Discover why 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. Post a job today at Indeed.com slash hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed. Let's go ahead and get an update on what's shaking in the world of sports and my guy Eddie Garcia. And then on the backside here, we're going to go out to the desert to Todd Furman and find out what he likes the most about the existing NCAA tournament bracket. Well, Clay, in college basketball, the field of 68 is set for this year's men's NCAA basketball tournament. I'm not going to read you the whole bracket, but let's give you the top four seeds in each region. In the South Virginia, the number one overall seed is the number one seed, followed by Cincinnati, Tennessee, and Arizona. In the East, Villanova is the top seed, followed by Purdue, Texas Tech, and Wichita State. In the West, Xavier is the top seed. North Carolina, Michigan, and Gonzaga round out the top four. And in the Midwest, Kansas is the top seed, along with Duke at the two. Michigan State's the three seed, and Auburn is the four seed. ACC led all conferences with nine teams in the tournament. SEC got eight teams in, which is a record for the conference. In NBA games of note, Rockets beat the Mavericks 105-82. Houston with the win becomes the first team in the West to clinch a playoff spot. They get the win without James Harden, who sat this one out with a knee injury. Timberwolves beat the Warriors 109-103. Still no Steph Curry for Golden State in this one with the ankle injury. Raptors over the Knicks 132-106. And the Lakers beat the Cavaliers 
1-800-227-1113. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, a note from baseball where the Philadelphia Phillies and free agent pitcher Jake Arrieta agree on a three-year deal worth $75 million. Arietta can opt out of the deal after two seasons, but the Phillies can also void the opt-out clause, and they'll trigger a two-year extension to make it a five-year deal. The former Cy Young Award winner went 14-10 with a 3.53 ERA with the Cubs last season. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier and Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price and list price and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. He's up early in the desert. I'll be going out there on Wednesday to get ready for the NCAA tournament. Todd Furman, for those of the, uh, those of, uh, the people out there listening to us right now who have never been in Vegas for the NCAA tournament, how would you describe it as a Vegas resident, what it's like? It really becomes pure, pure chaos. So for any sports fan out there that hasn't been able to partake in some of the festivities for the opening weekend, you should put it on your sports bucket list. I mean, 48 games, wall-to-wall action beginning Thursday, carrying you all the way through Sunday. It's always fascinating, as you've seen firsthand, Clay, to watch some of the folks who come into the room early Thursday morning for that first tip-off about 9 o'clock local time and watch their body language change throughout those 96 hours because they almost look beaten down and broken, even if they're winning all the bets. Typically, Vegas is a team advancing to the Sweet 16 over the individuals. (laughs) There's no doubt at all. Also, it's underrated how early the games start in Vegas, especially for people who come from the uh, the East Coast, Central Time Zone, even the Mountain Time Zone. Because those first games, I mean, I, don't, I think a lot of people get to Vegas and they're like, yay, I'm in Vegas, it's awesome, I'm going to celebrate, I'm going to stay up late Wednesday and Thursday. The games tip off at like 12, at 9.15 in the morning there. So and that, you're going to come out here for that and you want to partake in some of the nightlife as well. You better get your sleep in on Monday and Tuesday nights because 9 a.m. definitely gets there early, especially when you're stumbling out of some of the adult establishments or the nightclubs around 4 or 5. Just get used to and convince yourself that you can function fully on about 9 to 12 hours of sleep. Uh, so what do you like the most here as you look at the brackets? When I, I've broken them down, and I think the Midwest is by far the toughest Kansas, Duke, and Michigan State. Duke and Michigan State, two of the top four favorites. I think the flip side is, if you're a Villanova fan, you got an absolute gift from the committee because you get Villanova, Purdue, Texas Tech, and Wichita State as your top four. I actually think there's a play here to take West Virginia or Florida, potentially, if you want to take a flyer on an upset in the eastern bracket. South and West also pretty stacked, but to me, the Midwest, the most difficult the East, the easiest. What would you say when you saw these brackets come out? I think when you try and break down the Midwest, I've been skeptical of Kansas all season. Not going to take anything away, though, from them winning their thousandth conference championship <laughs> regular season title in a row or the effort that we saw a little bit under, undermanned against West Virginia in the conference championship. But when you have all those blue bloods and a potential Sweet 16 that could see the Dukes, the Michigan States, and the Kansases there, I think it sets up for a fascinating development. I do think the four seed there, Auburn, it's a team that slumped late in the season after losing their big man in Anthony McLemore. 
You mentioned the East and Villanova. I mean, this is a team without any seniors on their roster, but they've been here and done that. Uh, I think things set up very well for them, although you don't want to sleep on the likes of Purdue or even a Texas Tech side that took on uh, a little, lost a little bit of its luster late in conference play given the injury to Keenan Evans when he was about 3-for-19 over a three-game stretch. They've started to figure things out, and Chris Beard makes an excellent choice for candidate, you know, for coach of the year. When we look at the South, uh, I think uh, the road to getting to the Sweet 16, a potential round of 32 game between Arizona and Kentucky, going to be more than intriguing. Cincinnati, should they be the one to be on a crash course to take on Virginia? I'm not sure they'll be able to muster more than 40 points offensively, but I think the West is the bracket that's the most wide open. Xavier grossly overseeded. We actually had them 14th in our bet the board power 16 poll. Little to say they haven't been deserving of that number one line. And I think Gonzaga is a team that's flown in under the radar. Maybe not as talented as last year's edition, uh, but a side that should be relishing the opportunity to go through the likes of Ohio State and maybe Xavier before getting to the Elite Eight. What do you look at in terms of decisions on what to gamble on? Everybody fills out the brackets increasingly. More and more people, it feels like every year, also are playing the lines here. When you get into some of these early round games, the ones versus the 16s, the twos versus the 15s, the spreads are sometimes substantial. How do you assess gambling value in the NCAA tournament? What's a good lesson, if any, or lessons that you have learned? Well, one of the things uh, I think that becomes an exercise in futility for some of the recreational bettors out there, don't spend all your time learning everything there is to know about some of these lower seeds. If you haven't grown accustomed to watching the South Dakota states of the world or the Bucknells throughout the regular season, you don't need to waste your time handicapping those games because more often than not, they're going to be one and done. Focus on some of the power conference teams that you've grown accustomed to. The 8-9 matchups with the likes of Missouri and Florida State or Seton Hall and NC State. Given that level of familiarity, because that's going to give you the best opportunity to try and exploit the prices that are out there. Uh, and remember, you don't have to bet every single game on the board on Thursday or Friday. You can use the, those games kind of as scouting and take full advantage of some of the overcompensation or undervaluation that books will make for the second-round games that we'll see unfold on Saturday and Sunday. What about the play-in games? Is there any value? Those start tomorrow and obviously on Wednesday. you got Radford against Long Island, UCLA against St. Bonaventure, Texas Southern against NC Central, and Syracuse against Arizona State. Have you found any value uh, over the years in the play-in games? Or uh, I know a lot of people are so excited to start gambling that they jump in on these on Tuesday and Wednesday. Anything that you've learned or anything that you like about those four? Haven't found a whole lot as far as trends are concerned, looking to gain an edge over the bookmakers in these particular spots. You want to try and dive into some of the X's and O's. The UCLA-St. Bonaventure game, two teams, I won't quite call mirror images of one another, but that rely on their guard play. UCLA, not exactly as talented without the services of Lonzo Ball as a team we saw. They get bounced out by Kentucky last season. St. Bonaventure, a trio of talented guards. But you do have to wonder how the travel could impact the Bruins uh, as they'll be going to three different time zones uh, to make their Dayton-Dayton for the Tuesday night tip. When you look at Arizona State and Syracuse, a little bit extra time for ASU, but two teams that kind of slump down the stretch. ASU much smaller, where Syracuse's 2-3 zone can oftentimes pose some challenges. As far as the 16-seed matchups between LIU and Radford uh, and North Carolina Central such, uh, those are games that I think you leave those to the professional betters. They're going to have a much better read on those teams than some of the recreational folks looking to try and do a crash course in four programs that are definitely going to be one and done. Any games that you like in particular early? I know the lines have just come out on Thursday and Friday, but they're all effectively out now. Any 
immediately to you, you were like, oh, I love this one. Uh, I think Rhode Island, uh, modest one, one and a half point favorite against an Oklahoma team that really struggled down the stretch. Uh, reports are, tr- tr- you know, Trey Young not seeing eye to eye with some of his teammates, and URI defensively going to be a very tough out there. The real question: Can they score enough to get you a comfortable victory? So the Rams are on my radar. New Mexico State, they're extremely athletic on the wing, and Clemson, they had a major injury. Yes, they played well enough to get into the tournament and were going to be a high seed. I'm a little bit skeptical their power rating has caught up, so it wouldn't shock me at all if the Aggies are able not only to cover uh, as four-and-a-half, five-point dogs, but maybe win that game outright. And South Dakota State, uh, for me, as an eight, eight-and-a-half-point underdog, I think you're going to see some money uh, come in there. Ohio State, one of those teams that surprised a lot of people given how well they've performed. But if you can slow down Kata Bates-Diop, uh, this is a roster that really lacks other talent and ancillary scoring. If you were making wagers on future bets, first of all, do you like them at this point now that the brackets are out? Nova is plus 350. I believe they're the favorite. Duke 5-1, to one, UVA 6-1, to one, Michigan State 6-1. to one. Uh, Michigan ten to one, Purdue twelve to one, Arizona fifteen to one, Kansas and North Carolina eighteen to one. There's roughly the top eight or so. Are there teams that you look at and you say, "Man, I love the value on these teams to win it all." Well, for me, if you're looking at some of the top seeds, oftentimes Clay, you're going to get better value rolling over the money line. And what I mean there yeah. is just starting with a dollar amount, whether it's a hundred bucks and betting the likes of Villanova on the money line every single game they played because it's going to give you a better ROI over the course of six games if seeds hold. Now, if you're looking further on down the list and you want to go outside maybe those eight teams we mentioned, I think Gonzaga at 25-1, to uh, their potential road, I actually make them favorites over the winner of the Ohio State-South Dakota State game, which would be interesting because I believe they played the Jack Rapids in the opening round of the tournament last year as well. And then the other quadrant, the winner of the Xavier Missouri-Florida State matchup. There's a chance that Gonzaga would only be a one-and-a-half to two-point underdog against Xavier, maybe even closer to pick. So you're not going to get the same return with betting Gonzaga on the money line and rolling them over as you would the Michigan State's, Villanova's, Virginia's of the world thinking that they can get to San Antonio. No doubt at all. Is this a, a – when you look at the overall tournament in general, I think certainly what somebody like myself would say is this is a wide-open tournament. Would Vegas agree based on the way the seeds have come down and the futures odds and also these opening lines, or is there more of a gap between the top 10 and 15 teams maybe than your average person is recognizing? Well, I think there's 8 to 10 teams that are maybe a cut above everybody else out there, but it seems every year that we want to say it's more wide open and we're going to see some unique situations start to unfold that the seeds typically hold. Now, I know last year South Carolina was able to get to the Final Four, and inevitably we're going to find one team outside of those Power 16 lines probably get to San Antonio. But when you're filling out your brackets and you're looking to try and identify futures, folks want to claim ownership of Cinderella or that they saw this coming well in advance. Typically, it's the programs we expect to be there that are going to have the best chances to cut down the net. Last question for you, and it has nothing to do with the NCAA tournament. We're talking with Todd Furman up early with us out in the desert as he gets ready for the NCAA tournament wild week of action. Have you seen OJ out and about at all anywhere in Vegas, and did you see any of that ex- any of that expose last night, that interview that aired? I watched part of it, and it makes you wonder who's doing OJ's PR and advising him on some of these decisions instead of trying to just slink off into the shadows, try and live your best life. 
rather curious, uh, to say the least. I have not actually seen OJ out here, but I know plenty of folks, as he lives in one of the more prominent areas on the west side of town, that said anytime he uh, leaves his house and wants to walk around the country club, there are always groups of people around him, and it's created that you know, star-studded fandom that people just want to be around him for whatever reason. There's no doubt at all. It's very strange. We're going to play that audio for everybody out there in the final segment of the show this morning. Trust me, you're not going to want to leave your cars. Call in late to work. Tell them you had to listen to what happened, what Clay's about to play on the radio in the final segment. Todd Furman, I'll see you Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, probably out in Vegas. Look forward to it, my man. Always a pleasure, Clay. Safe travels out to the desert. Uh, follow Todd Furman on Twitter, at Todd Furman. He's helped break down the NCAA tournament with us. I'm telling you, Right now, you're not going to believe the audio. If you did not watch the special last night on Fox, O.J. Simpson 2006 interview, he confessed, essentially, to the murders in long last nearly 20, what is the math on that, 24 years, almost a quarter century ago, O.J. Simpson, outside of a Los Angeles area home, murdered Uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman, he basically confesses. We're going to play that clip for you next, and your jaw is going to drop. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago as well. If you think a train will stop, if it sees your car on the tracks, you're right, it will. About a mile after it hits you, stop. Trains can't. Jaw-dropping audio and video last night on Fox. 2006 interview of O.J. Simpson. As many of you are waking up on the West Coast, you lived it in L.A., you lived it in San Francisco, you lived it all over the country, but in particular, the state of California was awash with O.J. Simpson hysteria. OJ basically confessed last night. I'm playing this audio clip for you. It's going to be chilling. It's going to be overwhelming. This is from Fox last night on television. It's OJ Simpson admitting to the murders. Chapter, chapter six is called The Night in Question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you write in the book. Now picture this and keep in mind that this is Purely hypothetical. 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 Yes. Why don't you tell me what might have happened on the night of June 12th, 1994? <laughs> And let's just walk yeah, through the night. I, well, first of all, it's, this is very difficult for me to do this. Uh, it was very difficult for me because it's hypothetical. I know and I accept the fact that people are going to feel whatever way they're going to feel. <laughs> you know, uh, they're going to, uh, um, you know, some, uh, whatever, uh, whatever they want to feel. In the book, the hypothetical is... Uh, uh, Charlie. Uh, Paul Sutter. Charlie. <laughs> Uh, this guy, Charlie, shows up, the guy who I had recently become friends with, and uh, I don't know why you had been by Nicole's house, but it told me you wouldn't believe what's going on over there. And uh, and I remember thinking, well, whatever's going on over there has got to stop, right? So we kind of hooked up together, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of broad-stroking this. We go over Get into Bronco and go over. Let, let's just go back and do the details. Where did you I park? Let's do the detail. You park in, in the hypothetical in the alley. Right. You park in the alley. Yeah. And you put on a wool cap and gloves. Uh, in the hypothetical, I put on a cap and gloves. Right. Yeah. And um, you reached under the seat for um, a knife. I always kept a knife in the car for the crazies and stuff because you can't travel with a gun. And I remember Charlie saying, you ain't bringing that. And I didn't, right? 
but I believe he took it. Charlie took the knife? Yeah. In the book. Yeah. Yes. So, the back gate, you go through the back gate? Yes. And it was open or broken or? I don't recall. Okay. I go to the front and I'm looking to see what's going on. Um, and I can see that it appears like Nicole had, fly, I had candles all the time. She really did to keep her overhead down, I think. And music was on. And uh, while I was there, a guy shows up. You know, so Ron Goldman comes in the back gate. Yeah. A, a, a guy I really didn't recognize. I, I may have seen him around, but I really didn't recognize him to be anyone. And, uh, and I, in the mood I was in, I started having words with him. She says to you, I just came by to return a pair of glasses. Judy left them at the restaurant. Yeah, words to that effect, yes. And, and uh, he was I don't know if I believe it or didn't believe it. Uh, it was pretty much immaterial because, you know, uh, I was more concerned about everything that, that everything that was going on, you know, and uh, was uh, fed up with it, I guess. And uh, You get into a fight. Nicole comes out. A verbal, a verbal A verbal fight. fight. Got a little loud, and by that time, uh, uh, Nicole had come out, and we started having words about who is this guy, why is he here, what's going on. And, and she says, this is my house, get that the F out yeah, of here. Yes, and uh, which I didn't like because, once again, this is the same person, and if you read the book, you'll see some things that happened in the two weeks leading up to this that were uh, very, very irritating, you know. Uh, and I think Charlie had followed this guy in, one make sure it was no problem, and he brought the knife. As things got heated, uh, I just remember Nicole fell and hurt herself. And uh, this guy kind of got into a karate thing. And I said, well, you think you can kick my ass? And I remember I grabbed the knife. I do remember that portion, taking the knife from Charlie. And to be honest, after that, I don't remember. Except I'm standing there and there's all kind of stuff around and um, um, what kind of stuff? Blood and stuff around. You know, we. You know, I hate to say this, but this is like that. I'm right, sorry. Right. I know we got to back up again. Right. It's <laughs> okay. Know? I'm going to back this up. This is hard. This is this hard. Is hard. To, yeah. I know. I'm going to back up to try to make people think that I'm. A... <laughs> oh. I mean, that audio is just bone-chilling. And to me, there are several things that jump out. One, do we know if Ron Goldman knew karate? Because that's probably something that your average person would not know. Um, and or if he just was trained in any way as a fighter. I think what happened here is basically what OJ told us. He showed up outside of his ex-wife's home. He was upset when Ronald Goldman showed up and he murdered both of them with the knife that he had been using, by the way, in a frogman pilot that they'd been trying to do for ABC. O.J. Simpson effectively admitting to the murder finally aired a 2006 interview that you just all heard on Fox last night. Wow. Blockbuster. Unbelievable audio. I'm Clay Travis. We'll be back Tuesday on OutKick, the coverage. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.